This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the League 2, sorry, the Real EFL's League 2 Look Back. I am your host this week, Matt. As always, I can't uh, get my words out. Joined me, Joining me this week, we have our regular Charlie. Charlie, how are you? I am very well, thank you. Off the back of a good draw for Lincoln this weekend. I know it's League One, but you know, now I can't really be talking about Freddie Draper. I've got to slide uh, Lincoln in there somewhere. It was a good, good nil-nil draw, wasn't it? A good nil-nil. It was. It was. I was. Uh, I was rather happy with it. I've got to be honest. Uh, we also have joining us this week. We have got Ivan joining us. Ivan, how are you? Yeah, I'm probably not as good as Charlie. Um, I mean, I'm not on the. <laughs> League I mean, Two podcast as regularly as him, but if people don't know, I am a Carlisle fan, so I'm ready to be back in League Two next season after a pretty bad first <laughs> half of the season in League One. Yeah, you, you're just warming up for next season. That's why. That's why you're yeah, joining. Exactly. Us exactly week, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, let's dive straight into this week's games. We've got ten to get through, and we're starting off with our game of the day. This was. Doncaster versus Stockport. Doncaster won, Stockport five. And in an an impressive display, League Two leaders Stockport County demonstrated their title credentials with a dominant 5-1 victory over Doncaster Rovers. Uh, Paddy Madden played a significant role in the win, scoring twice, while Connor Evans and Tanto Oliafi also found the net alongside an own goal from Owen Bailey. Stockport's relentless performance showcased their strength with Madden's early header setting the tone for the match. Despite a consolation goal from Doncaster's Harrison Biggins, it was Stockport's comprehensive victory that underlined their commanding form in the league. Guys, wasn't it a commanding performance from, as I said earlier, a dominant Stockport team? It really, really was. Now, Stockport are a really interesting side this year. Obviously, they're interesting because they are the league leaders. But I, I've said it on this podcast, and I've genuinely believed for a lot of the season that Stockport are a, are a little bit ordinary. And 
that is, isn't actually an insult to them. What I'm saying by that is when you look at the teams near the top of the division, I mean, I'm, let's take, for example, Mansfield and Notts County, both teams who have been sort of in and around and fighting towards those uh, automatic promotion places this season. You've got Mansfield, who have been fantastic defensively uh, and, you know, scored, scored plenty, don't get me wrong, to be picking up the points, but it's really their defence that sets them apart. Not County's defence that has set them apart in the fact that, well, they've struggled defending this season, but they've been able to outscore all of their opposition uh, really impressively. Stockport have not been at the top of that goals for chart all season until yesterday and have not been at the top of the goals against chart all season either. But what they've done is they've done they've executed that game plan week in, week out, exactly what they need to do to pick up three points against all types of opposition in this league. The consistency that they've been able to show, yes, they've had a little bit of a kind of rough patch over the past sort of month and over that kind of Christmas and winter period. But the overall consistency that they've been able to show so far over 28 matches, that's what's that's what wins you titles in League Two. That's exactly what Stockport are doing. But as much as I was saying that, that they maybe have been that little bit ordinary, like ordinary is in consistent eight out of tens rather than having a ceiling of 10 out of 10 in some matches and sort of three out of 10 in others, as you might get with the Knox County, I've kind of been proven wrong because games like yesterday and that 8-0 victory they got against Sutton, for example, just show that when they're at the races and they want to turn a team over to make a real statement about their title challenge... They can do so. Absolutely, they can. Ivan, well, I mean, who's going to stop them? I, after yesterday's result, or sorry, Saturday's result, I don't actually think anyone can. I think Stockport are a very, very good team. And I think the player, I think Charlie already highlighted, Paddy Madden, for his age, I think he's 33 and he's already got 13 goals in all competitions. At the level, there aren't many better strikers than him. I think this is me putting my Carlisle hat on. I still think Stockport are a better side than us and probably should have gone up last season. We just got lucky that on the day we put in a very good performance. And even if they don't win the title, you look at the table right now and I don't think, whereas maybe you could see, I don't know, Wrexham or Mansfield or Barrow maybe finishing out of the automatics. I don't think there's any way that Stockport do finish out of the automatics. Um, And Charlie was just saying about the 8 out of 10 performances. Like you said, Again, putting five past Doncaster, eight past Sutton, it's it's quite an impressive feat. The only other thing I do want to highlight, although it's maybe not to do with Stockport, is Doncaster's defending was frankly shocking. I think all five of Stockport's goals were all, I think, well, four of them were from headers and the other one was an own goal, wasn't it? Um, so, I, I yeah, I, I just think Stockport do... Uh, do what Stockport do best, basically. They know how to get behind the team and um, punish them. And that's that's frankly the difference between going up either winning the title in the automatics or the playoffs. So, okay, guys. Oh, okay, I'm going to just give me a yes or no. Are Stockport going to win the league? I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go, no. Ooh, just 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 to give us the uh, to be the odd one. Okay, I'm gonna say maybe. Oh great! So well, like, no, you cannot. No, you cannot. <laughs> you cannot ask us for a yes or no answer and then sit on the fence like that, Matt. No, 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 no. We're not oh, going no, to get away with that. Oh, I'm gonna, okay, all right, okay, all right. <laughs> 
yes, it's theirs to lose. I believe. I think they are. They are. They are going to win the league unless something, you know, floods or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to. It's It's not not going to happen. I can't see it. They are too good of a team, and I think, uh, yeah. So they were unlucky last year not to go up. Uh, this year, though, going up as champions, I, th- I think would be fitting for them. Look, but after the uh, final whistle, there finishing five one to Stockport. Doncaster sit in twenty second. Stockport are in first. Uh, let's move on to our next game. This is AFC Wimbledon versus Mansfield. And in a dramatic match at Plough Lane, Ronan Curtis scored a last-minute goal to secure a 2-1 victory for AFC Wimbledon against 10-man Mansfield. The game saw jo- uh, sorry, Jordan Bowie being sent off in the first half, with Omar Bugle making a, su- a successful return to the team. Despite Mansfield's uh, equalising, Curtis's late goal ensured the win for AFC Wimbledon, with a Mansfield sub also experiencing a red card and a penalty shout being turned down in stoppage time. So, guys, what a game that was. I thought that was an end-to-end game, had a bit of everything. Uh, Even down to 10 men, Mansfield looked threatening. What do you think? I'm not going to lie. I lost a lot of faith in Wimbledon after the result against MK Dons, or not even the result, the performance against MK Dons on Tuesday. Charlie, you were at that, I think, weren't you? But mm. I think, at least from the highlights, I've heard one of my mates is a Wimbledon fan. But um, I think it was a really flat performance. And given how close that that like group around about 7th to, what, 12th or 13th place is going for the playoffs, it's like the performance that Wimbledon put in on Tuesday was shocking and they they shouldn't really be in that position but then to come back against um well Mansfield went into this in second or was it third I think they went into it in third yeah um and although they've struggled in recent weeks I think Wimbledon probably deserved it obviously as you mentioned the red card I've seen plenty of Mansfield fans complaining about it and I'm I don't really know why um, I've got. I've got to say, I'll ju- uh, just, just, just so you guys can. Uh, obviously, I know you. Uh, everyone at home is probably listening to it, but I'm currently I'm just replaying it on my phone, and I've just watched it back three or four times. It's a hundred and fifty percent a red card. Yeah, and even, it's it Mansfield. You cannot. It's it's a red card. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, not be complaining. They can't be complaining about that, and it's it, it's. Yeah, it's one that they they're going to be looking back on. It's like it's a silly, it's a silly foul. It's not a tackle, is it? Well, it's a rugby tackle, if anything, but it's a foul, um, and it's not one that I would say like the referees had a howler or anything like that. I mean, maybe you look at one later in the game that might have been given against them. But I think for for Wimbledon in the well, the performance as a whole was a great way to respond from that loss um, during midweek. And having Omar Bufiel back is a massive plus. Will they get Ali Alhamadi back? Who knows? But that that's probably that's probably another completely different story. But I think Wimbledon with that win, they could sneak into the playoffs. But it's I, for me, it's all all about if they get Alhamadi back or not. Well, look, do you know what? I've just got to chuck this out there. I, I've got to. I think it's as well as if they can keep uh, Bugle. Um, because 
I think them two working together has been pretty good. And there's been a lot of people, you know, sniffing around over Al Hamadi and Bugle. So if they can keep them, I think you're right. They could be serious contenders for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the performance against MK Dons, they just didn't turn up. MK Dons did. Um, it was an unfortunate performance. And I'm glad they've wiped that off uh, yesterday with a, I think, a brilliant win. Uh, Charlie, I mean... Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing you've seen the red card. What do you think about the red card? Um, yeah, it's a red card. <laughs> I don't really think there's, yeah, I don't really think there's much, much more. Um, to be fair, I think it's sometimes great podcast listening if we all disagree on a contentious decision like that. But we're going to be really boring for all you people listening. And yeah, we'll tell you it's a red card. Um, but look... I I do want to pick up on AFC Wimbledon because, like Ivan mentioned, I was there on Tuesday night and they were not in the game at all. Mm. And I was talking to talking to a friend of mine who supports AFC Wimbledon before before the game as well, and he sort of said, um, "Like, you know, we're worried. Of course, we are because of their sort of lack of striking options." And it was the thing that I very much pointed out before the game that this could potentially be something that we're worried about, but. They never even got the ball into the strikers. There was like a stretch of play for like 15, 20 minutes where they, they just never really got the ball into the MK Don's final third. And it was unbelievably poor from them. And I, I was genuinely shocked at how bad they were, quite frankly, you know, um, and how good MK Don's were, to be fair. But I think it was more AFC Wimbledon's weaknesses that kind of made them stand out. So this game had to be huge for them. They had to get a result because they needed to get their season effectively back on track because obviously not just the MK Dons loss, but they had also lost to Wrexham the week before as well. So it was it was quite big for them if they wanted to have playoff aspirations this season. Now in terms of whether or not they can get playoff aspir- they can get playoffs this season, I'm not 100% sure. I think if they can keep hold of both Bugiel and Al-Hamadi, they're going to have a much better chance than if they don't. But there are a couple of teams in and around that sort of positions that I think are potentially better than AFC Wimbledon from what I've seen over the course of a 28-game season so far. Um, but there are also many teams around that kind of area that you'd maybe see not even being in with a playoff fight anymore. So... Who really knows on that one? But then also to pick up on Mansfield Town, uh, they're in a bit of bit of bad form at the minute. Obviously, that loss means that they're now winless in the league in their last four matches with a draw to Sutton and Morecambe in there, as well as obviously the losses to AFC Wimbledon and Crew as well. They're going to be quite disappointed with that. And they're another side who are going to need to make sure they make a couple of moves in the sort of last few days of this transfer window if they've got hopes of still getting automatics, especially considering Aidan Flint went off with an injury yesterday as well. Yeah, I think it will be definitely key for them to potentially at least uh, get a striker Mansfield. But AFC Wimbledon, I've got to say, they were, I thought they were absolutely outstanding yesterday. They kept going right to the end. Um, mm. uh, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen it, um, Mansfield did have a late shout for a penalty that was turned down. 100% not a penalty, in my opinion. The player was, you know, knew he wasn't getting the ball, so he just threw himself to the ground and hoped the referee. He's looked for it, hasn't he? That's the problem. Yeah. And obviously that's led to then uh, obviously the one of the subs getting a, a booking and then a sent off, which, you know, because he was mouthing off. Uh, but 
AFC Wimbledon kept going to the end. Uh, they showed fight, desire, determination. And then, uh, you know, obviously Ronan Curtis obviously um, was able to snatch the winner uh, for, I think, mm-hmm. a deserved AFC Wimbledon. After that game, though, finished, AFC Wimbledon are in eighth place. Mansfield are in third. On to our next game. Uh, in in This is Notts County versus Barrow. And in his first game as Notts County manager, Stuart Maynard led his team to a 1-1 draw at home against Barrow. With Aaron, uh, sorry, Aaron Neem scoring the equaliser just before half-time. Barrow had taken the lead early in the match through Kean Spence, but Neem leveled to, secu- uh, to score to secure a point for Notts County. County goalkeeper Aidan Stone made crucial saves to deny Barrow, Sam Foley and Cole Stockton, whilst Barrow Spence had a chance to take the lead again, but his effort went over the crossbar. Despite Notts County's dominance, they were unable to secure a victory, with Jody Jones coming close to setting up the winning goal for uh, top scorer Macaulay Longstar. Uh, so, guys, uh, what did you think of the game yesterday? I, I'll be honest... That first half was very exciting. I found the second half, there was a couple of exciting moments, but it was kind of like they had almost cancelled each other out. Absolutely agree with that um, assessment. But I actually think that Stuart Maynard is going to be really pleased with that result and performance. We've we've spoken at length on this podcast over the past sort of six months about Knox County's issues. Everybody who watches any League Two football knows what they are. And Stuart Maynard has to come in and, and effectively eradicate that, try and change a bit of a style of play uh, whilst being able to maintain uh, this kind of strong attacking outfit that Notts County have. So the fact that they've been able to kind of, yes, okay, they, they were 1-0 down, but then get the, um, get the equaliser and then going into the second half, making sure that they didn't capitulate. They had obviously lots and lots of the ball compared to Barrow, 80% to 20%. But obviously they did kind of struggle to do too much with it. But I think that's uh, more credit to Barrow than it is kind of an indictment on the performance of Notts County. Like I say, if, if, I, if I was Stuart Maynard, I'd be really pleased. Um, and to be fair, it's not a bad first game in charge, especially considering his first game in charge could have been against Stockport if the snow didn't help him out or well the frozen pitch well yeah it, it was a, it was to say it was a cracking uh, sort of effort by the Notts county players yeah as you mentioned 80% possession i mean you know ivan you normally expect teams to have you know most of the ball at home but 80% i mean i i didn't expect sort of a, a Pete wild barrow team to sit that off that much but they were just saying to Notts county have the ball break us down and you know, yes, they had 80% of the possession, but only nine shots and only that, you know, one on target, mm-hmm. obviously being the, the goal Neem scored. It is quite ridiculous, isn't it, to have 80% of the uh, possession and they come away with it one all and have a shot on target. I think, I actually think Pete Wilde was quite smart because you look at Notts County and you know just how bad defensively they are. First off, I'd just like to say, if I was a not, I would hate to be a Notts County fan watching that defence <laughs> every week. And like that's bad enough coming from me as a Carlisle fan watching us ship like four most weeks. But I just, you're just going through games. You know that something bad is going to happen. And I think that's what Pete Wilde did. I think he knew that, he, that Barrow could probably get them on the counter-attack, which is why they've in turn had that much um, that much possession. Um, 
because you might as well you might as well give them the ball if you like Barrow are quite a good team defensively, and if you know that Notts County aren't a good team defensively, all you need is one or two chances um, to yeah to really break them down. And I think it's a game where both I, I'm a bit conflicted on this point. I'm trying to say, will both teams be content with a point? And I think they are because some of the teams around them may have not done as well as. I don't know if they could have. You look at Mansfield um, losing. You look at Crew losing. Um, Gillingham as well. And then obviously like Wrexham not playing. But I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity for Barrow. They won't be annoyed that they've only taken a point on the road. If you take a point on the road, it's always a good thing. Especially against a team like Notts County. But I just think that it's a game that Barrow needed to win if they really wanted to put forward their credentials for... Um, a place in the automatics and the same goes for Notts County if they really wanted to establish themselves as a team that maybe not looking at the automatics but more the like being a definite in the playoffs I think it was a game they also needed to win so it, it, it's a bit of a weird one I still I've still not made a judgment really on it so I'll just keep on contradicting myself I, I mean look I, I've got to say I've got to help you out I do fight I've got to say I think from uh, Pete uh, Wild's point of view, especially, you're coming up uh, against a Stuart Maynard, Notts County team who you've never seen play a game of football before. You have no idea how they're going to play. He's probably, you know, obviously had to watch some of Stuart Maynard's old games and seen that kind of maybe style. So he's had to kind of come up with a game plan. And as I said, I think in that second half, the, the game plan to, to say to him, you know, have the ball as much as you want. But as soon as you get into that final third, we're not going to give you any space to breathe. I think work's a treat. So I actually think he's probably gone there thinking, if I get a point out of this, you know, especially with a team like Notts County, you'd probably expect some kind of, what you know, new manager bounce almost. Mm, They've yeah. not had it. So actually to get a point, I think is actually a really good result for Barrow. I understand with the other, as you said, the other team's not playing, a win would have been better. But, Notts County are still going to be there or they're about to come the end of the season. So, yeah, at least getting one over them at this point in the season, I think I think's quite good. Uh, but look, after full time there, uh, it's Notts County are in seventh place. Barrow are in fourth. On to our next game. This is Crew versus Salford. And Matt Smith scored a hat-trick to lead Salford to a surprising 3-2 victory over an informed crew. Uh, in League Two. Smith opened the scoring early with a header before equalising with another header after Aaron Rowe and Elliot Nevitt had put Crew ahead before half-time. His 85th minute winner secured Salford's unbeaten start under Carl Robertson to four games and ended Crew's four-match winning run. Salford's strong start saw Smith heading in Luke Bolton's cross before Crew responded with two quick goals, but Smith's goals ensured the victory for Salford. Guys, what an entertaining game of football and wow, what a, a, a game Matt Smith had yesterday. He was on fire. He really, really was. Um, fantastic victory for Carl Robinson's Salford and Matt Smith, I mean, 18 league goals he's had, he's got now, by the way. Like, what an impressive record for a team that are so low down in the league. Uh, but that was a huge victory for Salford, uh, obviously, to keep their unbeaten start under Robinson going. It just helps pull them away from the, you know, from the relegation battle. Uh, we'll go on to talk, I'm sure, about Sutton and Forest Green in those two relegation spots. 
but they are now 10 points clear of Sutton United in 23rd. So huge for Salford that. Um, you know, who knows if they maybe could have changed manager a little bit earlier, whereabouts they'd maybe be right now. But it's also quite disappointing for Crew as well, this game. Obviously, they were a four-match winning run prior to this. Uh, you know, if they if they'd have won the game, if they'd have even drawn the game, there could have been an opportunity for them to break into the automatic promotion spots once again. Obviously, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So they'll be uh, rather disappointed with the result from their point of view. But Salford, they were uh, there was certainly good value for that away victory there. Oh yeah, they were. I mean, Matt, say Matt Smith was absolutely on form. But the the one thing that actually kind of got me, uh, obviously, Salford went one 0 up in the fourth minute. Uh, it was a Matt Smith header, um, and then Crew obviously they came back, scored two goals uh, before half time, going in at two one. I just kind of assumed, uh, you know, Crew have got this in the bag, haven't they? Ivan, they, they they they've just absolutely got this, and then. It did, then it became the Matt Smith show in in that second half. You know, two brilliant goals in the second half. Uh, crew just sort of didn't have any answer for Salford. And I mean, I don't know how you saw it, Ivan, but that's sort of how it felt to me that, you know, again, they just had no answer to, to Matt Smith. I, I think it was actually quite an impressive performance by Salford, especially in the second half. I don't think they've shown, they've not shown a lot of fight this season. And I think that's, that shows why they're down the bottom. But to come back from behind 2-1 away, a, a team like Crew, it's a great result to get all three points. Matt Smith, I know both of you already talked about him, but I cannot believe that he's not being rumoured with a move to either a top a top League 2 club or even League 1. I've not seen anything yet. But there are so many League 1 teams that are looking for a striker. You, you're looking at your, your Cheltenham's, your Exeter's. You know what I mean? But... I know he's he's 34, but he's not slowing down. Um, and yeah, it's. I think I saw this on Twitter. Someone said it's the most Matt Smith hat tricks of Matt Smith hat tricks. He's two headers in it and one for about six yards out. But it's just what he it's what he does, and it's what he does so well. Um, and I think it's too early to say that Salford will be safe, but I think it's an absolutely massive performance away from home, and it shows. I think what probably more what people expected from it at the start of the season. It was a, it was a great performance, and sort of Carl Robertson, I think, is is going to go in there and, and work wonders. And obviously, like, this season is about staying safe for Salford, but giving money in January, sorry, in in the summer, and letting build you a squad, and they could become you know a strong, strong League Two team next year. But after that uh, brilliant win yesterday, Crew are in fifth and Salford are in 19th. On to our next game, MK Dons versus Gillingham. And MK Dons secured their second consecutive home win with a 2-1 victory over Gillingham at Stadium MK. The match remained tight until the 79th minute when MJ Williams broke their deadlock, followed by a powerful goal from Alex Gilby. Despite Gillingham's late response through debutant Josh Walker, it was insufficient to avoid their first league defeat in five matches. MK Dons initially dominated possession, but struggled to create clear-cut chances. Both teams had opportunities throughout the game, with Gillingham's uh, Oliver Hawkins denied by the home keeper and Jake Turner denying a chance for MK Dons' Dan Kemp early in the second half. 
ultimately MK Dons capitalised on their opportunities with Williams and Gilby finding the back of the net to secure the win for the Dons. Guys, uh, let's move on to our next game. <laughs> well, <laughs> hang on a little second there. Oh, okay. I think if we I have to, it's only fair that we discuss. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, delay your pain, though. Let's let's not talk about Gillingham's um, ineptitude yet. And uh, instead, I'm, I'm going to just focus on MK Doms now. Obviously, a side that I've spoken about quite a few times on this podcast whenever um, they, well, whenever they're playing, which is obviously most weekends, as long as the games aren't called off, which is happening quite often at the minute in League Two. Um, but yeah, obviously, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I was at the MK Dons game in midweek and was really impressed by them. Uh, I thought that when they brought in Mike Williamson, that they were going to do really well and potentially climb into the playoffs. Well, they've done that. And then some. They are top of the league if you do points per 90 compare uh, from when Mike Williamson has come in there. Uh, they were joint with Wrexham, but this win takes them above Wrexham on that metric uh, with something like 2.15 or something points per game. Unbelievably impressive. They've got some really, really good players. We've spoken at length in the past about somebody like a Max Dean, for example. I think Mike Williamson's really able to get the best out of him and we saw that in midweek uh, and it was then apparently being linked with a move to Toulouse over in France whether or not that happens in the final week of the transfer uh, window who knows but like I said they've got some really really strong players they're playing really well to really nice football uh, they're able to get the best out of most of these players as well uh, they're getting rid of some of the players that don't quite fit the system for example Jonathan Lecco went out on loan this week uh, and you know, we, we are already aware of the fact of some of these players that they brought in and being able to recall Dan Kemp, for example. Uh, the lad who they also brought in from Gateshead as well, Stephen Warren, uh, he had Warren, Warren, one of the two. He had a really good game as well, uh, being able to kind of show what he can do under his former boss. Like I say, I think uh, MK Dons are going to be really pleased. Now, the big problem for them at the minute, though, is goalkeeping. Their goalkeeper, uh, who they, I will tell you now, that they played um, not Michael Kelly, because Michael Kelly was the one on the bench. They played Philip Marshall. That's the name whom I was trying to remember. Uh, Yes, they played Philip Marshall, um, who has come in from Gates, well, from Aston Villa on loan, played the last three matches, and in every single match so far, he has made a mistake. He just looks really, really uncomfortable in goal. Now, earlier on, I said that Stockport County weren't going to win the league. A real out there one. I think MK Dons are going to win the league this season. Really out there. I, I am aware. I am very much aware they've got a nine-point deficit so far to Stockport. But the way they're playing, I just feel like they're going to be able to close that gap as long as they can just improve a little bit of consistency. Because uh, you'd look at some of their losses, for example, to Doncaster on New Year's Day. They need to kind of eradicate that. They need to pick up the performances as well as the results. Uh, but I certainly think they could. Although... The goalkeeping situation could end up being a big factor against them. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me too much after these three matches to see them maybe dip into the market for another goalkeeper this window. But yeah, really impressed by MK Dons. Gillingham, less so impressed. Well, do you know what I'm going to say? From a fan's point of view, I thought Gillingham played pretty well yesterday. Uh, we did create quite a few chances going forward, but 
has been our Achilles heel all year. We were unable to find the back of the net. Uh, and we that we, we pressed high on their goalkeeper, put him under pressure and, and, and created a fair few chances. We should have scored in the first two minutes. Uh, but unfortunately, our player who had an open goal put it over somehow. Uh, but thus is football. I, I was glad uh, young Josh Walker, who we've got on loan from Burton, he came on, made his debut, uh, scored in the 90th minute. But I actually think Gillingham fans can be a bit, you know, sorry, Gillingham team could be feel a bit hard done by that they didn't come away there with at least a point. Do you not think, Ivan? Uh, I don't. I don't want to sound too harsh, but against Gillingham, <laughs> if a team score, if a team scores two goals against Gillingham, it's always going to be quite hard to get three points. Um, I'll just put a little plug into the Real EFL website. Charlie, Gary Hutchinson, the founder, and I all predicted or wrote up a bit of a prediction for this game at the weekend. I went 3-1 MK Dons and Charlie and Gary both went 2-0 MK Dons. So none of us actually got the right scoreline, but we all went for the same way of thinking. Gillingham, don't get me wrong, aren't a bad side at all. But I think as soon as a team scored two goals against them, it's not... It's not game over, but you you see it. You don't see them getting back into it, um, and especially with the class that MK Dons have, I don't. I don't think there was any real chance of them getting back into it. The the interesting side, Charlie just brought it up, and MK Dons back backup goalkeeper's Mick Kelly, who was actually he was with Carlisle last season. I don't want to sound like I'm saying it again. I don't want to sound too harsh, but Mick Kelly only played in the. Uh, when it was called the Papa John's Trophy for us. Mm. And he was behind Thomas Holy the whole year. He's not exactly covered himself in glory this season. So I do I do think it's a position that MK Dons are going to want to look at um, come, well, before Thursday the, at the end of the window. And I, th- I don't think Charlie's shout of them winning the league is maybe as outrageous as first thought. I think they could sneak into the automatics. I think they're good enough for that, but I I, I don't know. I, I think they, the automatics are a possibility, but you look at their last two wins, Wimbledon and Gillingham, two teams that are battling for those playoff positions. And although this result may have not been as convincing as the Wimbledon one, I think they're definitely the team that are in the, what, the top six, seven that are performing the best and going the right way at the minute. Yeah, look, I've got to say, I thought the MK Dons team yesterday, they were, you know, they played like a team that could almost be champions of this league. They And, and I kind of understand what you say, Charlie. It's not out there. Um, again, on paper, if you go by on, on paper, like you said, since Mike Williams has been in charge there, they have been probably the best team in this league at this moment in time. Uh, keep those players feet fit. Get a new goalkeeper because your goalkeeper's terrible. I'm sorry, I've just got to say it. Um, and and then potentially, yeah, the League Two title or at least automatics is going to be there for MK Dons. Um, but look, before we jumped on, uh, I said to you guys, we were talking about, uh, I made a bit of a bold prediction. So, I, so I'm going to just do a shameless plug uh, on my other podcast I do, which is the ME7 podcast. Please find us on X and Twitter and all that. Um, it, all about joining a football club. And, and, and I made a bold, well, I made two bold predictions. I've told you one of them uh, and I'll tell you guys listening. So that is that Stephen Clements 
either this year or next year will get Gillingham out of League Two. But my second bold prediction is I also then generally believe that if we get promoted next year out of League Two, that the following year, Stephen Clements will get us promoted out of League One. Oh, oh no, back, back to back promotions. I am. I... <laughs> Right. No, hold on. Since, since when do we have since when do we have sound effects? That is really unfair. Right. I, no. I was specifically saving it for a for a moment when um, well basically when you said something like that, Matt. Oh. Well look, look, I mean I am the guy that believes that Gillingham would beat Man United 7 0, so <laughs> but no, no, I know I look I maybe focus on beating teams in your own league first. Oh. I know in, in all fairness, I I think I think once Stephen Clements, you know, give him obviously you need to get this uh, window out of the way, but give him the summer and let him build a couple of you know, a squad that's his players, the players he wants to work with. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing football wise, so I you know it is a bold statement, but I Hand on heart, I do believe he's going to get us out of League Two, and, and, that's, and more, that's more than a bold statement. I'd say that's like <laughs> that's, a, that's a different level. That's a, that's a statement with its own receding hairline. Uh, that's what that hold, statement is. <laughs> hold on, before we before we go to a break, then I'll, I'll leave you with one more. Here you go. This is the bombshell. Oh, Stephen Clements will take us to the FIFA Club World Cup Finals, and we. Will... <laughs> 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 guys go and have a coffee go and have a drink we'll see you in five this podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at nordvpn the 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close but the football never truly stops with the olympics euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading nordvpn for just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello guys, welcome back. And after the madness before the break, I forgot to mention that MK Dons are in sixth place. Gillingham are in ninth. And let's move straight on to our next game. This was Walsall versus Sutton. And despite a valiant effort, Sutton slipped further away from safety in League Two, securing a 1-1 draw at Walsall. Craig Eastman's goal cancelled out Walsall skipper's uh, Devron Daniels' impressive opener, leading to Sutton's third consecutive draw under new boss Steve Morrison. 
Walsall took the lead with Daniel's remarkable goal, but Sutton quickly equalised with Eastman's deflected strike. Sutton missed a clear opportunity to take the lead when Charlie Lakin's shot went over the bar. Walsall keepers, uh, so Walsall's keeper had a narrow escape when he tried to dribble past an opponent, but recovered just in time to prevent a goal. Both teams had opportunities with Walsall coming close after the break, but the match ultimately ended in a draw, despite Walsall's better chances to secure the win. Guys, I, I've got to say, I thought Sutton, uh, they, they looked really good yesterday. Um, Steve Morrison, he's got a, got a job there to do uh, at Sutton, but he's got some players there to work with because Sutton on paper, you look at their players, they're not a terrible team, aren't they? No, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I, I think Sutton have been excellent ever since Morrison's came in. I think Matt Gray did an amazing job with them to get them where they are. Um, obviously, they've struggled a lot this season, but Morrison's came in. It's the it's the type of hire that you imagine from a team like Sutton. They're well known for, well, not just plucking players from non-league, but also, I suppose, management. Morrison was at. Um, Hornchurch in the Isthmian League before uh, making the move to the League Two club. And I just think like it, it's a bit of a hard one for Sutton fans. So I think you, you're really happy with how the team are playing and you've drawn, I think they've drawn four in, four in a row now. But the only problem is they're not winning those games. And when you're in the bottom, the bottom two and well, they're seven points off, I think, safety now. I think you need at one point you need to you need to put a run of one or two wins together. That being said, they're performing like a team that you wouldn't expect in the bottom two, and that's also coincided with, as you mentioned, Craig Eastman. Uh, he's only been back for the last three weeks, I think, and they've got three draws. I think Eastman's integral to the club. He's been there for quite a while, and I don't think there's many players that are going to give as much as him in the run into to the end of the season. As for Walsall, I, I just think they're a team that are destined for mid-table now, to be frankly honest. I can't really see it. They're not going to challenge for the playoffs, in my opinion, and they're not going to be involved in the relegation fight. But I think Sutton will be eyeing up a couple of teams just above them um, that they know that with one or two good results, they can maybe climb up there and out of the relegation zone. No, I, I actually fully agree. I, I, I actually thought the Sutton performance yesterday was was actually really good. They they didn't look like a team that were languishing near the foot of the league. And um I mean I've got to say first off the the uh the Daniels goal uh that I mean that was some Incredible, goal Incredible isn't it? Shifting it back onto his right and then managing to put his foot for it the way he did. I thought that was a cracking, mm-hmm. cracking goal. And full credit to him for stopping taking his shirt off because that was going to guarantee him a booking and he managed to just as he was about to lift it up over his head he stopped himself so um but yeah it, you know Sutton really did fight fought back hard yesterday and it, look they they've got a chance it is an outside chance and if you're a betting man hey it might be worth putting a tenner on uh, then potentially avoiding relegation because as you said but the twenty third, there's still a couple of teams just slightly above them that are, you know, not too far out of reach. So, look, Charlie, I'm going to ask you this: Can Sutton survive under Steve Morrison? Can they? Absolutely. Can they? 
Will they? I'm going to have to say no. Now, they, they're picking up. Absolutely, they are. And, and that's great for the Sutton fans to see, obviously. And I think they've got a better chance than Forest Green Rovers. Um, <laughs> but they've got a seven-point gap, as we said, that they've got to try and close. Doncaster are down there. I still think Doncaster have the quality to be able to stay up in that t- uh, in that side map. I do think that Grant McCann's going to be able to get something out of them, albeit on a very inconsistent basis, but he'll be able to get something out of them. Uh, you've got a Colchester United side, also sat on 28 points. But then bringing in Danny and Nicky Cowley, I just feel like they're going to turn a corner. They've, they've also, obviously, because it's Danny Cowley, they've brought in Harry Anderson as well now from Stevenage on loan until the end of the season. He's going to be huge for them. They've also got Alistair Smith in the midfield, who they brought in on loan from Lincoln. He had a fantastic couple of seasons with Sutton United before leaving on a free in the summer. And I think he's going to really sort of be a key part of the second half of their season. Uh, and then Grimsby. Now, Grimsby are probably the side who I think would be most looking over their shoulder out of those sides that are all joint on 28 points. But at the same time, with them kind of um, obviously bringing in David Artel, I still think they're going to be able to pick up as, as well. Like Sutton, again, yes, they're picking up and they're getting results, they're getting performances and such. That's great. Four draws, it's okay. Really, they need to be picking up three points. The fact that they've got a seven-point gap to bridge, they can't just be picking up performances and results. They've got to be picking up more performances and results than the teams above them. Struggling to see how they're going to pick up seven points worth more. So, Ivan, I'm just going to ask you the same question because when uh, Charlie said uh, no, you kind of jumped back in your seat. Do you have a slightly different opinion? I've got... So I've got I've actually got a bit of a slight bias towards Sutton as they're technically my local team now. Um and I just think the amount of fight that they show, like I don't think any Sutton fans would be annoyed. They're punching above their weight being in the league at all. Like they, it's so good that they're in the league. Um but they haven't had a good season. Everyone knows that. It's just so I'm just avoiding the question. Yes, I do actually think Sutton will stay up. There you go. That's the there you go. You said it. You said it live, in, in, and everyone's going to remember it. In place of who, then Ivan? So this is the other <laughs> thing. I don't. I think, like you said, I think Grimsby. Grimsby are the one that they're probably looking at. But I know it was against Stockport. But I think I don't think Doncaster are that good either. But I would, I would probably go for Grimsby just because you think that Doncaster would have the resources to get them out of a spot like that. So I'll, I'll I, go for Grimsby. I, yeah. then. I mean, we all, we all know. Well, not we all know. We I think we're all thinking the same team as a definite for going down. We won't mention them, but um, <laughs> I, think, I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think it could, it could actually be Grimsby and mm. Forest Green. Well, I've got to be honest, as a Lincoln fan, that is music to my ears. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, but, we, but we are fully unbiased on this podcast. And and I've just got to say, as a Gillingham fan, I'm so glad that we're not involved in any of this talk. <laughs> uh, unlike we were last year. But after that 1-1 draw yesterday, Walsall are in 13th and Sutton are in 23rd. On to our next game. This was Morecambe versus Colchester. 
And Danny Cowley secured his first win as Colchester manager with a 1-0 victory over Morecambe. Thanks to Arthur Reed's first half goal. The former Stevenage midfielder's impressive 25-yard free kick found the top corner of the Morecambe goal, giving the U's the crucial points in their efforts to climb the table. Morecambe had a chance to equalise early in the second half with a penalty, but Owen Goodman made a vital save to deny Jed Gardner. Despite Morecambe's effort to level the scores, a disallowed goal and several close chances, Colchester held on to claim the victory and give Danny Cowley three vital points. Guys, what another great game of football. Danny Cowley's first win yesterday. Um, The free kick, first off, was a peach, don't you you think, guys? That's literally what I've got it right down, Ed. I've got it written down as it's an absolute peach of a free kick. And for that to be the goal that separates the two sides, like it, it's pretty it's a... impressive. I also did put something else down about, don't know if you caught it on the highlights, but I found it quite interesting. As soon as that goal went in, all the players bar the goalkeeper all huddled after the goal for Colchester. And I just think that's obviously something that Cowley's installed is that togetherness at the club. I think, Charlie and I were just saying about, or, well, all three of us were saying about the teams that we think might go down. Colchester on the same points as Grimsby and Doncaster, but I do not see them going down one bit. I don't know if, if you guys share that thought, but yeah, yeah I, a great I, result and an even better goal to win it. It was, and, and do you know what, I've got to echo just exactly what you just said there. Yes, they're, they're on the same amount of points at the moment. They're, they're currently sat 21st in the league, but I just kind of feel with Danny Cowley and what I've seen from this culture's team over the last few weeks, they're safe. They are safe. And they could, I'm not saying contenders for playoffs, but they could be a very good League Two team next year with Danny Cowley mm-hmm. in charge, especially given the summer when he can get players in he wants. But they already look like a team that, uh, you know, they're safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, picking up on a couple of points, I've, I'll be honest, and, you know, we, we sit here and we say that it's not biased on the podcast. Um, but I'm a little bit biased towards Colchester. Uh, not for the fact that they've brought in former Lincoln manager Danny Cowley. More for the fact that as soon as they did, I may or may not have put on a little bet for them to finish in the top half of the season. <laughs> top half of the table this season. It was an out there bet. It's like 29, 30 to 1 or something like that I got it for. I just thought, you know what, a couple of quid on that. Why not? Um Purely because I, I just know what Danny Cowley can do. He can work wonders with a team. He can overachieve with a team such as Colchester. And he's he's back in League Two and he's with a team that I think he suits perfectly. You mentioned there, Ivan, about the huddle as soon as they um as soon as they scored. And thinking back to when we played Burnley in the FA Cup, back when we were National League and it got us to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And obviously, Sean Raggett scored a last-minute header. Again, I'm just bringing that up at every opportunity I get, really. <laughs> but the best part, when I, whenever I watch that clip back, the very best part of it is Danny Cowley. As soon as the goal goes in, all the coaching staff and everybody's jumping up and down celebrating. Danny isn't. He's immediately going over to Jamie McComb, who was one of our backup centre-halves at the time, and getting him stripped and ready to come on the pitch. 
His mind is always working overdrive in terms of football. It's not just, we can celebrate, sure, but let's make sure we're constantly thinking about the next steps. Let's celebrate the end of a game, not during a game. Let's constantly kind of make sure that we're one step ahead of the opposition. That's what he's quite clearly going to be instilling at Colchester. He obviously already has. It's his mentality. It's a very strong mentality. He's going to get a lot of wins in the second half of this season. They're going to beat a lot of teams next season as well. Uh, and Colchester fans can be really, really pleased. And you, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the clip yesterday of Danny Carly celebrating the victory at the end of the game, sort of walking around, fist pumping. He, he just looks so happy. And I, I really think that's going to be a match made in heaven. Have you got Absolutely. Colchester shirt yet, Charlie? Sorry. <laughs> I'm not I'm not as bad as some Lincoln fans that have just become full Colchester fans. <laughs> um, but, you know, that I, I very much do think that they're going to work really well there. A lot better than at Portsmouth and Huddersfield anyway. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think Colchester have got themselves, uh, you know, say two really, really good coaches there in Danny and uh, Cowley and his brother there. And I, th- I think it's, it's actually quite a good fit for Colchester United with the way Danny Cowley likes to play his football. And we're starting to see it. And, see it. and, and uh, but I, I just want to uh, just draw back onto one of the points I mentioned here in my, my little bit there at the beginning was um, Morecambe had a penalty uh, early in the second half. Um, and I've got to say, I think Karma has has done Morecambe there because for me, it was 100% not a penalty. The player... I feel he 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 knew what was going. He lost control of the ball. He's run into the player. He's bought that penalty, and I think it was right for uh, Owen Goodman there to to save the ball uh, from Jed Garner because I think if it had scored, I think that would have really tainted what was a, a really good coach's performance yesterday. Yeah, Guys, I, what you I I agree. It was a slightly. I, I wouldn't say a hundred percent. But I think it was um, it was one that I think Colchester would definitely feel a bit um, hard done by if it had gone in. But I I think that that once again goes back to <laughs> thinking that they'll survive. Teams down the bottom normally if calls go their way and then they'll let in a goal from the penalty like that. Colchester didn't, and that is why I think they will almost definitely stay up this season. It's just that. I think everything's kind of going their way at the minute with the new management and everything. And even on, on the pitch, the performances are showing that. It's just, yeah, it, like you said, it's the, they've got the karma, or Morecambe at least got the karma they probably deserve from it not being a, a stonewall pen. So I think it's Col- Colchester deserved all three points on, on Saturday. Absolutely. And look, I, I've got to say, I'm behind you guys. I really, really do hope Colchester United stay up uh, this year. I, I'm 95% sure they will. Uh, not only because, say, I like Danny Cowley and what he brings to football, but also because Colchester United's ground is about 45 minutes away from my house. And if Gillingham are in League Two next year, it means I get an away day. Uh, but after that game finished, Morecambe are in 15th, Colchester are in 21st. On to our next game, Swindon versus Bradford, and the game finished 2-0 in Swindon's favour. And in his first game as Swindon's interim manager, Gavin Gunning led the team to a victory over Bradford. 
Swindon took the lead after 16 minutes when Paul Galetz was fouled in the area, leading to a penalty that was confidently converted by Charlie Austin. Bradford did have chances to equalise late in the first half, but Jack Bycroft made a crucial save to deny Andy Cook's header. Swindon extended their lead just before half-time when Glatz provided a tap-in for Dawson, uh, sorry, uh, Dawson Devoy uh, after a run down the right. And in the second half, Austin set up Glatz for another opportunity, but he narrowly missed the chance to score. Um, guys, yesterday was, you know, uh, yeah, interim manager Gavin Gunning will be very, very pleased with the way his Swindon team performed yesterday. It was a very professional performance, uh, I, I don't you think. And Bradford just didn't turn up yesterday, really, did they? It's a it's a huge three points for Swindon, to be fair, like you said, with the interim manager coming in. But also, I think as soon as, I mean, we'll get on to Jake Young in a minute, but Dan Kemp as well. As soon as they got recalled from their loans, I think they looked, Swindon have looked a bit lost. And don't get me wrong, they're not going to do anything this season. I think they're, I've said, I can't remember who else has said it about, I feel like I've said it about quite a few teams in the league, but I think they're destined for mid-table. And it's same goes for Bradford, or even lower for Bradford. I think they look extremely um, uninspiring. I think I've, quite a few fans are starting to see that as well of Bradford. Um, they're going through a bit of a tough spell. And don't get me wrong, I can easily see them getting out of it because of the quality that they've got in the team. But it's it, it's a really weird one because a team the size of Bradford, you'd expect them to be going towards the top half of the table. Yet they find themselves in... Um, in 18th at the minute, but for like I said, for Swindon, it is a it's a huge, huge three points on potentially a road further up the table. Um, but more so, I mean, they they weren't ever. Let's be real, they're not. They weren't going to go down this season, Swindon. But you'd have thought after Young and Kemp both went, they might have started to slip down and maybe get a bit closer. But I think that they'll be absolutely fine this season. It's as much as it is about building for next year, I don't know, like, with the Oak, they've got a few ownership troubles at the minute, haven't they, Swindon? So I don't know how much they can build for next year. But it's a it's a positive performance nonetheless, and it's a big three points for them. It is. And um, I, I, do you know what? I actually, one of my friends, um, I, for, for those of you that don't know, for some strange, weird reason dating back to the 70s, uh, Gillingham and Swindon have a bit of a rivalry. But I have got a, a friend who is a a Swindon fan, and, and he asked me quite an interesting question this morning, and he he asked me if Michael Flynn was in charge uh, today, would they have beaten Bradford? And I'll be honest, my, my thinking was, I just felt like before with Flynn in charge, he was on a tightly uh, t- a tightrope, you know, he, he was on a very thin line there, and I think if he was in charge, I, for me, that has, you know, loss or potential draw all over it, but but yesterday, um, for, for whatever reason, Gavin Gunning was able to get a Swindon team that hadn't been firing on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely he has. And it's funny, you know, obviously, Ivan, you said that there's there was sort of no chance of them getting relegated, for example, but it just being mid-table obscurity. Um, as soon as Dan Kemp and Jake Young were recalled, which was, let's be honest, it was, it was New Year's Day, wasn't it? I um I put out a tweet on the Real EFL effectively saying, Swindon fans, how worried are you? And the amount of responses that said 
like genuinely we're fearing relegation now. I was shocked by like not just because you know there was an outside chance that they'd be able to climb into the top seven with those two in the team. I didn't mm. expect it, but there was you know there was an outside chance they could get it. To then how say well we've lost them, so that means we're going to get relegated. It seemed seemed absolutely crazy, but obviously it was the the kind of opinion of some fans. But to be fair to Swindon, they've they've acted now in obviously getting rid of Michael, Michael Flynn no longer being there, uh, and also they've brought in Dawson Devoy. So they've gotten rid of one MK Don's loanee to bring in another. Now Dawson Devoy is, is someone who had uh, who had a good bit of promise. MK Dons, but has never really been able to break into the first team on a regular enough basis there. Uh, obviously gone out alone now to Swindon and hopefully he can kick on from there. And they've got good players in that Swindon squad, haven't they? And I'll be honest, I'll be honest, Matt, the, the question that your friend posed about whether or not they'd win that game under Michael Flynn, I'm going to say that yes, they would. But that isn't a compliment to Swindon. That is an indictment on Bradford's performance. Yeah, there just does seem to be something sort of almost rotten at the core there at Bradford. Obviously, they had all those years, you know, many moons back playing in obviously the Premier League and, you know, some great cup runs they've had and they've just slowly slipped down the leagues. And for whatever reason, they just seem to be stuck in this rut. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been to Bradford Stadium. You know, it is a great stadium. It is a Premier League stadium. It kind of feels like it. And Bradford almost feels like a Premier League club that are that are no more, you know, and that they that their glory days are sort of slowly disappearing. And is that solely down to the owners or you know, it's it's something there. Mm. What's got to change? Who knows, you know, I is it, is it a case of, is it a case of starting again, you know, wiping the slate clean and starting again with new owners and new investment, new ideas. Is that the only way that Bradford can reinvent itself? They they have to um, they have to create a process and create a project something that we're just not seeing at, at Bradford. Um, we were, I, I was off camera having a conversation with Tom, one of the other guests that we have regularly here on the League Two podcast, so, and he's a Bradford fan. And we were uh, actually, we, we were talking about Lincoln and the fact that Lincoln's director of football often gets quite a bit of stick, but he specifically is really open and like we. We try to have a model of sort of buying players in, developing them within the squad and then being able to sort of sell them on for profit and all of this. And he's like, well, we just love something like that at Bradford. That's all we want. Something where you can actually, even even if it isn't working, you can see where the process is. You just can't see that at Bradford. Uh, and that doesn't just necessarily mean a manager. It doesn't just necessarily mean no owners, but it need, it means having a, maybe a club restructure, ensuring that you've got a CEO, a, a director of football or head of football operations, whatever title you want to give somebody, uh, a head coach or, or even a manager that then takes under control the sort of transfer recruitment side as well. But you need a process that is clear and obvious from not just within the club, but also outside. And it's something they're just simply not doing. And it's really disappointing. So do they need to kind of wipe the slate clean? Yes. Does that necessarily mean new owners? No but it just means that they're going to have to recreate the structure there at Bradford. Um, and for the record, I haven't actually been to Bradford Stadium. I've been to Bradford Park Avenue. Um, that doesn't look like much of a Premier League ground. Uh, <laughs> it is a cracking stadium. Um, okay. Not a yes or no question. I, I'm going to give you, I want you to give me a percentage. Here you go. We do it as a percentage. Just to be a little different, because I am weird, if in case you guys haven't already figured that out. So, 
I want your percentage on chance that Bradford could get relegated this year. While we're talking about the stadium, I would just like to say I did go last season when we had them in the playoffs. Uh, and it is a, for League Two, it is quite a stadium. But will they be playing in the National League next season? I reckon there is basically no chance. Uh, so what? No like, like, like 2%, 3%, I don't, you know? I don't even think 2%. Like, they've just... The Half a percent. Is, they... Like last season, when we had them in the playoffs, I think they, he was at Brad Halliday. I think he basically said after the first leg and they beat us, he knew that they were going to beat us in the second leg and go up. And I think that's part of the problem that Bradford have. There's a tiny bit of overconfidence in some players because, don't get me wrong, they're an absolutely, not an absolutely massive club, but I mean, they played in the Premier League. And if you're getting what, I don't know what the average attendance is this season, 14, 15,000 probably, that's, huge numbers for League Two. But they they didn't get promoted last season. I think that's the problem that they've then had this year. They've had that playoff hangover. They've got rid of Mark Hughes, who, when you think he was managing in the Premier League, what, eight years ago with Stoke, maybe? They've got, I don't know if you'd call it a project, but whatever that was, it's all gone downhill massively. And I think this season's kind of just like, they've completely slumped to... They're, no, they're basically being no direction. Um, this is so. This is just like they're, they're they're humping the road almost. It's you know, it's, yeah. as you said, it's the hangover. Instead of it lasting though, you know, a couple of months, it's lasted half a season. I was going to say I wanted to kind of echo. I was going to jump in earlier when Charlie was talking about them, but I just wanted to echo his points. Really, they just need a restructure. I think they've got they've got everything there that they need to go up and go into League One. It's just they're not going about about it the right way. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I can't see them going down myself, especially as what Sutton needs 16-odd points to catch them up, 15 points to catch them up. Mm-hmm. And Forest Green, well, Forest Green definitely won't catch them up. But I can't, I can't, see, <laughs> I can't see a way that they go down this season. Well, I'll well, give a percentage as well then, Matt. Uh, and I'm and I and I'm gonna go 90%. No, no, I'm not doing it. Um, it, it it's a zero percent. Look, um for regular League Two fans, which well Bradford are actually, um that, oh, gosh, that was harsh, wasn't it? Um but yeah, for, for for regular League Two fans from seasons gone by, uh think back to 2011. Funnily enough, Lincoln City, when we needed to pick up three points from our last 11 matches to secure safety, and we got two points. Somehow, we ended up going down, losing uh, nine of those last 11 matches and getting relegated, including a 4-0 loss at home to Gillingham, by the way, Matt. You know, so thanks for that. Yes, uh, and that is. Bradford would have to replicate an end of season like that if they even had the tiniest chance of going down this season. It's it's not going to happen. Um, it, I, I will straight up right now give it 0%. Sorry, Bradford fans, I've definitely just jinxed you. Well, do you know what? So I, 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 my percentage, I'll give you my, mine was 12%. Because I, I did, no, 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 no. Hear, hear me out. I've got my valid reasons. Um, look, Sutton or Forest Green would have to win a stupid amount of games Bradford would have to lose a stupid amount of games. They need a points deduction as well. 
probably. I think it's it's like, you know, if Sutton won, I think it was Sutton, yeah, five games. Uh, you know, if they win five games, that's 15 points. And if Bradford lose five games, that's a 15-point swing. So there is a very small chance. But yeah, now I, I see guys... why you think that Gillingham are going to be in their championship. Yeah. Hey, no, yeah, we're, we're... <laughs> Champions League. Champions so, sorry, League. Sorry, sorry, yes. Can I just say one other thing? You said about Sutton winning five games. Yeah. They've won they've won four games all season. Uh-huh. Yeah. But to be fair, Ju- I, I was saying I was saying this last year when Gillingham had only scored seven goals. I was like, the goals are gonna come, it's gonna happen. And in the second half of the season it did. So look, Sutton United fans, Forest Green fans, you've got something to cling on to in the hope that Gillingham did something similar last year. It could happen to you, you know. You just don't want to happen to you. What you know? What's happening to Gillingham this year, where we just can't score? Uh, but after, uh, uh, obviously, yeah, after that uh, game yesterday, say Swindon are in 14th, Bradford are in 18th. On to our next game. This is Grimsby versus Tranmere, with the final score finishing Grimsby one, Tranmere two, and Tranmere secured the victory thanks to an own goal from Grimsby's. Tony Malakai, uh, sorry. Uh, the decisive moment occurred 10 minutes into the second half when Malakai turned the ball into his own net. Rob Apter and Grimsby debutant Doug Tharm also found the target in a match where chances were scarce in the first half. However, Tranmere quickly took the lead with Apter's goal only for Tharm to equalise for a set piece. Tranmere regained the lead through Malakai's own goal. And despite Grimsby's efforts to mount a comeback, Tranmere managed to hold them off and even threatened on the counter-attack. Grimsby Danny Rose came close to scoring, forcing a fingertip save from Tranmere's Luke McGee in the 82nd minute. Uh, Guys, as I said there, that very first half was very, very cagey. Definitely looked like two teams who were near the bottom of the league. And guys... We said it earlier, Grimsby need to find some form, otherwise they're in danger of being dragged into that bottom, aren't they? Yeah, big big time. I think what they've won one in their last five, is it? Yeah, one win in their last mm-hmm. five, four points in their last five games. Oh, we've highlighted it. They're probably the team that Sutton are looking at and Forest Green might be looking at. They... They've hit a flat spot in in recent weeks, and that's to Charlie's joy probably. But I just I can't see them finishing out the outside of the bottom four. Tranmere, you said how they're down the bottom. They they're another team that you like you like Colchester. I just cannot see going down. And it's a bit of a weird one. I think Matt, you've put enough controversial takes today to <laughs> fill like a whole month's worth of podcasting, but. I'll put, That's I'll, me. Put an, I'll put another one in. I think Nigel Adkins should be in the manager of the season conversation if they finish in the top 12. In the, if we're not even top 12, top half, top 10. Uh, do you know what? I would I would back you on that one 100%. Because he's, he's done really, really well there. Uh, and, and that's not a bad shout. He's, t- he's turned it around pretty incredibly. And mm. I just think... The mid the mid table is so tight. Like Tranmere seventeenth on thirty six points, but and this sounds so so stupid. But Wimbledon are eighth on forty two. Tranmere six points off 
eighth place. And it's when you look at where they were before Atkins came in, completely different team. Will he win manager of the year? No, they, there's no way the EFL will give it to him because they always give it to a team that are battling for promotion or have got promoted. But I think he's a name that needs to be in there if they get anywhere near that top half of the table. Yeah, he when he came in as the interim manager, actually, I kind of thought to myself, what's he doing? Because they were so poor at the start mm. of this year, Tranmere. They were just... They, they lacked any cohesion. There was no team unity there. I mean, it looked like a, a football team of 11 individuals, not a football team of 11 players. It was horrible. And he came in and it, and I, I do think, unfortunately, he was walking into almost a, a graveyard of a team and that he was going to probably end up finishing his football career with a team that almost destined, uh, looked like at the start of the season, to be right out this league. And yet he's come in, he's turned this team around. And Charlie... You've got. I'm sure you'd echo what we've said. He's got to be at least in the running for one of the managers uh, of the season. Uh, I'm actually going to disagree. Oh. I, I know. I know. Um, yeah, you see, you can't do the sound effects to me because I'm the one in control of the sound effects. So, <laughs> Someone's ah. got all the power. Uh, <laughs> no, look. The only reason then, um, I'm going to disagree, and don't get me wrong, if they can get up to the top half, fantastic, and that's absolutely brilliant job. But Obviously, he's done and that Tranmere have done as well to kind of get to make sure that they're up there. My only thing is, is he really did not have a good spell when he was interim manager. He only really properly started getting the most out of that team when he was made permanent, which was sort of a couple of months later. So if we're taking that, in, like purely since he's become permanent, absolutely 100%. But I don't, you know, he didn't, um, it took quite a while to make that impact. And so a lot of the other teams have gotten worse around that uh, kind of area in the league as well, bearing in mind. So as much as Tranmere have gotten better, I think the teams that they've been kind of fighting against have actually gotten that little bit worse as well. And obviously they've been able to pick up a, a lot of points. So it's certainly impressive for them. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't actually see them breaking into the top half, but I definitely don't see them being anywhere near the relegation zone. No, they, they, they I, I, to be honest, I think, I, do you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, just because I've made enough tonight, I'm going to make another one, another bold statement, Tranmere's finishing position, I'm going to, I'm going to go 11th, I reckon they'll finish the, the season in 11th place. That's not as out there as your other shout, so I, I, I don't think that's... <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, no I, I reckon there'll be 10 teams better than them, but I reckon they will I, they, they will come, you know, within touching distance of potentially making the playoffs, but it will be, you know, three or four games before the, you know, season's yeah. ended, they're out of it. But I, I reckon they'll, I reckon they'll put a good run together because... I really do like what I see. The, the, so the only issue I found with this league this year is it is so unpredictable. You've said it, it is so tight in the football league at the moment. You know, was it six points separate uh, 17th and, you know, 10th place? It's it's such a tight league. So anyone can beat anyone. Uh, but after that game, Grimsby are currently in 20th. Tranmere are in 17th. And let's move on to the last game of the day. This was Forest Green nil, Accrington 1. 
Now Steve Cottrell suffered defeat in his first game as Forest Green manager, with his team losing 1-0 at home to Accrington. Jack Nolan scored the only goal of the game from the penalty spot, prope- uh, propelling Accrington back into the playoff contention. Despite a strong start from Forest Green, though, which included early chances, the team remains at the bottom of the table and without a league win since October. The visitors capitalised on a penalty opportunity when Ryan Innes fouled Alex Henderson, allowing Nolan to convert from the spot. And although Forest Green had opportunities in the second half, they were unable to find an equaliser and Atkinson held on to secure all three points. Uh, guys, Steve Cottrell, uh, a brilliant, experienced manager. You know, I'm sure beforehand, you know, when, when it was announced, Forest Green Rovers fans would have been, oh, wow, our saviour is here. But what a difficult job he has got on his hands with Forest Green. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I'm going to say this at the start. Don't see them staying up. I think, you know, we've, we've very much alluded to that fact. So it's better just to, just to put it out there and say it. Uh, I'm sure you'll have some crazy, ridiculous, bold prediction about it, Matt. Uh, but yeah, I don't see... Champions! They're yeah, going to win the league. But, uh, there you go. Is it probably not even mathematically possible. <laughs> um, but what I will say is, and I said it on the podcast a few weeks back, they never should have brought in Troy Deeney when they did. I think it was the worst decision they could have made. And Steve Cottrell is the best decision as a managerial appointment they could have made. But they should have done it when they got... Trodini in. They should have done it six, eight games ago, whenever that, whenever it was. They've kind of wasted this this time, this period, the start of the January transfer window. It's been wasted. Um, and they could have been recruiting Steve Cottrell players. You know, it's it's a really, really difficult one with Forest Green. I just don't see any way that Steve Cottrell's gonna get this team of players staying in League Two. And that's not a slight on him. I think he'll still be able to do a fantastic job. I just don't think it's going to quite be enough. And then it's going to be really interesting in the summer to see what happens with Steve Cottrell and Forest Green Rovers and how that relationship uh, carries on, if it does at all. Do you think he'll stay? Uh, no. You, if they go down, he's gone? You, you I, I think I, I do. I think he'll go. Okay. Ivan Atkinson... Um... My favourite chairman uh, is uh, in the football league. Is currently in charge at Accrington. Uh, do they do they look like a team though that are going to make the playoffs this year, or do they again? Are they going to be a nearby club? I'll be brutally honest. It's a no. I don't think they've. Uh, I don't think they've won back to back games since October. They're far. The form's far too erratic to be a team that constitutes. Uh, well, that you'd expect from a playoff team, especially when League Two. It's, well, it's a very strong league too this season, isn't it? And you've got so many teams separated by very few points going for that final place. I just don't think Atkinson quite have the quality to uh, get into that final position because I think it is that final, it's that seventh seventh place is one that all the teams are probably eyeing up at the minute. I don't even think it's sixth. I think it's only seventh now. Um but yeah, I, I just don't think Atkinson are quite good enough. And I'm going to say it again. It's another team that I think are just going to finish in mid-table. So my mid-table's actually got about eight teams in it. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, and then just just touching on what Charlie said about Forest Green, I think every everything that he's just said, I I agree with it all completely. Troy Deeney was one of the worst. Yeah, I was going to say the worst decision. It, well, it is the worst managerial decision in the AFL this year. I put Charlie Adam up there at Fleetwood, but that's League One, so we won't focus on that. But I just don't see any sort of direction that was going to go when you're threatened with the National League or going into the National League. But I also find it a bit. I find it quite interesting that Koch was taking the job. Um, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got to say, I thought I, it 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 was probably a. I'm going to say it was a shock for him to accept it. I I was not, you know, of all the managers out there, not the player, so not the uh, the manager I had first on my list by by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, not not at all. And like as Charlie said once again, he won't stick with them if he's in national in if they're in the national league. I think he's still a very good manager in the AFL. I mean, where I, where did Shrewsbury finish last year? Like thirteenth in League One. Yeah. Yeah. It's about that, and he's gone from that. And look at Shrewsbury now. Um, mm. I mean, going into this weekend, they were in nineteenth uh, or twentieth in yeah. in the league. And I think, I think Koch was still a very good manager. And the only the only reasoning that I can see for why he's gone there is the money. He must be on a good pay, a good good amount of pay. Especially, he's probably got a bonus in that contract for keeping him up as well. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. But will he will he get that bonus? I do not think he will get that in any way uh, at all. So, yeah. And to be yeah. and to be fair, who really wants a vegan sausage roll as a bonus? There, I mean, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> weight in vegan sausage rolls. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am. I, I, do you know what though? I've got to disagree. You you said you think it's basically you know what the top six are pretty much set in 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 place. Mm. I'll be honest. I actually think it's it's the top four. Um, I think um, Stockport, Wrexham, Mansfield, Barrow will be the top four. Not in necessarily in that order, but I think that will be the top four come the end of the season. I um, disagree. I so, like well. I mean, Charlie will as well because he's said about MK Dons. But I think MK mm-hmm. Dons knock Barrow out of that top four, and probably even knock Mansfield out of the top. Well, they can't knock two teams out of the top four, but you know what I mean. It's like yeah. I think MK I, Dons will finish above both of those two. I, I, I mean, look, I, I've admitted it on this channel numerous of times. I think I have a slight love affair with Pete Wild, so I'm, I'm going to defend him to the ground and say, look, I, I, I get if MK Dons do go on a brilliant run, then, then yes, it's theirs to lose. But I actually, I think the top four pretty much has set itself. Uh, that will pretty much be the top four, I think. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. I, I, I'm going to name my top four right now in front of you. It's going to be Stockport, Barrow, Mansfield, Wrexham. Mm. There you go. I've done it. I... I've done it. I've, I've said it. I've done it. And and, uh... then, and, and and then Gillingham, of course. Of course. In fifth. Yeah, in fifth, of course, of course, you know, yeah, and and, and then we win the playoffs by winning each game eight nil, uh, just because Stephen Clements is a god. And am I am after I right that in... game though? Finished Forest. Uh, am I right in saying that that's beer that I can see that you're drinking? And if so, how fucking many? <laughs> <laughs> and and I th- I said to him. Don't you talk about my junior football club. Yeah. 
Guys, after that uh, 1-0 win, though, from Accrington yesterday, uh, Forest Green are in 24th. Accrington are in 10th. And we have come to the end of this crazy podcast. I'm 77 beers deep, and it's been a journey. Ivan, Charlie, thank you so much for joining me, guys. Thank you very much. Been a much. pleasure. Looking forward it's, to been, it's been something. It's been something. <laughs> and and Charlie, come on for for one last time. Let's hear it for the uh, for the sound effect. I don't know what sound effect you're on about. You haven't said anything. Sh- oh wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Real EFL's League Two podcast. I've been your host Matt, and we will see you next week. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNuggets share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then later on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.